You are now listening to the Cruise Control Podcast here on SoundCloud and iTunes. I am your host, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. Graham Matthews, as always, from Bleacher Report, joining me now on two out of three falls here on the Cruise Control Podcast. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant, the host of WrestleRant Radio. And again, great work for Bleacher Report. Graham Matthews, what's up, my man? How you doing? Doing good, Randy. How about yourself? Doing good, man. We're just a couple of days away from the 2017 Survivor Series. Today is Wednesday, November 15th. Survivor Series takes place this Sunday. How ready are you for Sunday, man? It's a tale of two shows. I mean, I feel like we were talking about this about a month or so ago in regards to Survivor Series and the build for the show and whatever. Mm-hmm. And that I was not excited at all, and I know I'm not alone in saying that, but a lot has changed, even from the last time we talked, six days ago, six, seven days ago. Um, we have Triple H returning on Sunday as well to the ring on Sunday, as well as Charlotte as the new SmackDown Women's Champion. They have completely changed this card from what was initially promised a few weeks ago, so... I'm very much looking forward to Survivor Series. I didn't think I'd be saying that because the show has largely meant nothing in recent years, which I know we'll be talking about here today. But I'm very much excited for Survivor Series coming up this weekend. All right, so we have a, a, a pretty packed show. Let's get right to it, man. Survivor Series this Sunday. We got about uh, eight eight matches. I think one will take place on the pre-show. Uh, I think it's Enzo Amore against Callisto for the Cruiserweight Championship. I think let me check real quick. I think that's the only the only title match on the card. So Enzo Callisto Cruiserweight Championship, who do you got? Well, first of all, I'm glad this is on the kickoff show. Like you said, the only um title match in the entire show, but also the first uh the only non robber smackdown match as well. And there's a good reason True. for that because no one could care less about this feud. I mean, I've said it before, it peaked way too early when they had Kalisto in the championship on Raw and what I thought was a good Lumberjack match. But the TLC match sucked, the one they had at the pay-per-view last month. And this one shouldn't be too much better. So I'm glad it's on the kickoff show. Um, I'm sure people don't really care who wins either way. But Enzo's been doing more for the division than Kalisto has been so far. So I say Enzo retains the title on Sunday. I I agree with you. I think Enzo should you know have the Cruiserweight belt at least until Mania. Uh, remains to be seen who are going to be the main competitors for him going forward after Callisto. But um, Enzo, I, I have him retaining on Sunday. Next up, we have non-title match, Intercontinental Champion The Miz against United States Champion Baron Corbin. Uh, I think he just won a match last night against Sin Cara, and the winner would have faced The Miz. Thank God it was Baron Corbin. So Baron Corbin, The Miz, non-title match. Uh, Raw versus SmackDown, who do you think has the upper hand on Sunday? What's crazy is that of all the matches that were announced for Survivor Series when the build first began right after TLC about a month ago, this is the only match that has stayed intact. Every other match, the tag team matches, the champion versus champion matches, those all changed. This was the only one that stayed intact. Uh, Not to say that I wish it would have changed because Miz has been doing a good job as IC champion and Corbin is really yet to get you know, uh, really is yet to get going as United States champion. They really haven't given him a chance to shine yet. From an in-ring standpoint, I don't imagine this is going to be too great. Um, I mean, Miz can go with the right opponent. Same thing with Corbin. But together, eh, I mean, like two heels, who could really care? (laughs) Uh, My personal opinion, I like both guys. Um, The entire show, I will preface my predictions by saying this. A lot of these matches, it doesn't matter who wins. Because there's nothing at stake. No championships are at stake. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, Raw versus SmackDown theme pay-per-view, which last year meant nothing. This year, I don't think it means anything. But I'm still looking forward to the matches themselves. In regards to this one, if I had to choose, uh, I'll say Miz. I mean, Corbin, again, they have not booked him all that strongly as United States champion so far. So I think Miz sneaks one out via nefarious means uh, and gives one to Raw. I don't know, man. Uh, you know me. I'm a big Miz fan. Uh, I'm leaning towards Corbin, but I, I, I just don't know why. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think, like you said, this this can go either way. It doesn't matter which one wins. But, uh, you know, looking at, okay, I mean, it's not like either one needs a, needs a victory. Um, 
just because you picked the Miz, I'll, I'll say Baron Corbin, but I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing with a lot of these predictions. You're just going to go with someone just because you feel like it. Because, again, it really doesn't matter. If Corbin beats Miz, the same thing is going to happen on Tuesday no matter what. If Miz beats Corbin, it won't really help him all too much. It's not like really any of these people are going to benefit from a victory. So uh, yeah, I, I will say Miz, you'll say Corbin, but it really doesn't matter too much either way, to be honest with you. Absolutely. Uh, Raw Women's Champion Alexa Bliss against SmackDown, or new SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte Flair. Uh, I did not see the match last night against Natalia uh, with Charlotte. Kind of before, I know Charlotte won, but how was that match? And now going forward, her against Alexa on Sunday. It was a good match. It was much better than the Hell in the Cell match they had last month. I will say it's probably the best main roster match they've had. And they've had a lot of good main roster matches, like the ones they had last year over the Raw Women's title. I thought were all right. They weren't as good as they could have been. Um, I think a lot of people get their hopes up for Charlotte versus Natalia, thinking back to that amazing match they had three years ago in, uh, in May of 2014, the takeover, the first ever takeover. So the, the, the match they had last night was, I thought, really, really good. It helped because they were in Charlotte's hometown. She picked up the victory in clean fashion. Her dad was there. They celebrated the victory. It was a really cool moment. Also, a week coming off of the uh, 30 for 30 special we talked about on the show last week with Ric Flair. So the timing worked out perfectly. And above all else, Charlotte versus Alexa Bliss is a much more appealing match than Charlotte versus, or rather, Alexa Bliss versus Natalia. So I'm glad they made the change. Charlotte can do a lot more for that championship than uh, Natalia can, in my opinion. In terms of who goes over, Alexa Bliss or Charlotte, again, doesn't really matter. Um, I was talking to Mr. Marceau, RJ, earlier today, who posed the uh, idea that maybe Alexa loses here, and then Stephanie says, oh, because you lost on Sunday, we're going to have to make you defend your championship against Asuka, whether it be on Raw this week or at the Royal Rumble. I'm not sure. Um, but I do think Charlotte picks up the victory on Sunday. I I don't know, man. Maybe I just I just want dis- to uh, disagree with you because I probably go with Alexa. But, one, I'm happy for Charlotte uh, that she's a um, – a champion once again. Do you think that the timing was right? I know we had the the, the, the documentary last week. Um, you know, we, we saw an emotional Ric Flair come out to hug Charlotte, Charlotte last night. It was in her hometown, but the right was it the right timing to take the belt off an Italian just one week away from the from the pay per view? I think so. I mean, you couldn't have done at the pay per view because obviously you have the champion versus champion match. Um, the only other stage I would have done it at, I mean, they have Clash of Champions coming up next month, the SmackDown pay-per-view in Boston, but I guess you could have done it there, but they wouldn't have been in her hometown. Mm-hmm. And another place they could have done it is, which I thought was the original plan before what we had on Tuesday, but I like this idea more because we get Charlotte versus Bliss now. I thought they would have done it at Starcade, which we've talked quite a bit about before here on the show, right. but that's not going to be televised. And they could have done it there, it just would not have been televised. It would not be the first time they've done a non-televised title change. I mean, look no further than uh, when AJ won the United States Championship at MSG a few weeks ago or a few months ago. So uh, it wouldn't have surprised me if they did it there. I think they're in North Carolina for that show, too. Mm. Um, so it would have been a cool moment. I think it's going to be a steel cage match, but Natalia can always get a rematch there, and they can move on to other challengers. Because Natalia, for me, I mean, she's a good wrestler, but there's a lot of good wrestlers in that division. So I thought the timing was perfect, uh, not only because they were in their hometown, but because it was right before the pay-per-view, it sets up a better match with the pay-per-view, and because we're a week removed uh, from the Ric Flair special. And that marked his first on-air appearance on WWE TV since he got sick over the summer. So I thought it worked out really, really well. And, of course, we, we, we still know that Carmella still has that Money in the Bank briefcase lying around somewhere. Uh, you know, not to throw it out there, but do we maybe see a situation where she might cash in at Survivor Series? Or do you think, you know, it has to be like a Royal Rumble or uh, even next month they have the Clash of Champions? Um, or if not, she does it at WrestleMania. How long do you think she has that, that briefcase for? You know, there's a chance she could do it on Sunday. I mean, I thought she would do it at SummerSlam in her native New York. Mm-hmm. She didn't. Uh, I thought she might do it at Hell in a Cell, and she didn't. So doing it when people are least expecting it, because that match on Sunday between Bliss and Charlotte is not a title match. So maybe Bliss wins, and then Carmella cashes in, or Charlotte wins, and then mm-hmm. she cashes in. Either, either way, there's a good chance she could cash in. 
Um, right. They got the moment out of the way on Tuesday. So if they want to put Charlotte back in chase mode with Carmella, and then maybe you do Carmella, Natalia, Charlotte at the Clash of Champions pay-per-view, that would be fine. Um, but, yeah, there's a chance she could cash in on Sunday. If it's not Sunday, she'll cash in eventually. I think Charlotte versus Carmella is the few they have been and will be building towards, uh, you know, heading into the early part of 2018. So never count on it. It could happen on Sunday when people are least expecting it. Exactly, because before Charlotte got into the mix, you know, if if, if it was Alexa and Natalia, you could have had, all right, fine, we take Alexa and Natalia, whoever wins, fine. But then you still had that cash-in moment where it's like, like you mentioned, it, it'll be unexpected where Charlotte on paper, Charlotte and Alexa sounds way better than Alexa and, and, and Natalia. But to, to kind of make up for that, you throw in that, that cash in. But it's like, you know, Charlotte's back. She's the champion now. I think for, for I think, a considerable good amount of time. But um, Carmella cashing in on Sunday, you know, you never know, Graham. You, 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 you just never know. But uh, if it's not Sunday... I, I really think she just has it to, to Mania because, you know, Royal Rumble, is it going to be a one-on-one uh, a championship match? We don't know yet, but if it, ain't, if, if it ain't Sunday, I think it is WrestleMania. I think so. I mean, it's it's too soon to say what the WrestleMania plans are for the women. Like, are we going to get two more women's matches this year like we did last year? Um, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that, but on the SmackDown women's side, there's not many money matches for them to do. And Raw, I mean, I guess you could make the case there's Asuka versus uh, Sasha, maybe. I guess you could do that. I mean, I guess it depends what brand uh, Paige ends up on. But with Charlotte, like Charlotte versus anyone on SmackDown does not feel like a money match to me. And her and Becky's probably the biggest match they could do. But we've seen that before. Right. Um, unless they do Charlotte and Asuka in an interpromotional match at WrestleMania, which, we, which would be cool, which would make sense. Uh, I mean, I guess Carmella could cash in and lose, but we just saw that with Baron Corbin, so I wouldn't do that. But uh, maybe she loses it and gets the belt back, and then you could do a champion versus champion match again at WrestleMania with Charlotte and Asuka. And if you don't do that, then you could do the rumored uh, Charlotte and Ronda Rousey match, which I don't know either way whether we're getting uh, for sure or for not. I mean, I know that's been rumored for a while now, so there's still no word on whether Ronda Rousey... There were there were there were rumors that she had signed that she hasn't. I'm not exactly sure, but that's still a possibility too. But um, yeah, if she doesn't cash in on Sunday, then I'm not sure she's going to cash in for a while. But Carmella is doing quite well for herself. I'm glad that she broke off from James Ellsworth and who just officially got released on Wednesday. So mm-hmm. uh, now she's on her own again. But I think she's come a long way from where, where she first debuted in the main roster about a year ago. Now, before I get into the Team Raw, Team SmackDown 5-on-5 match with the women, um, what's this Paige thing that I kept saying on on Monday or yesterday, whether she's back or trying to come back or is back or something like that? What's the latest with Paige? So there had been rumors that – well, not even rumors. She was backstage on Raw on Monday. She was backstage at the show. Mm -hmm. um, But there was no confirmation that she was going to be used. I mean, I even pitched the idea here on the show last week that maybe we see Bailey qualify and then Paige comes out and beats her for the spot. That didn't happen. Um, Plans changed, apparently. Maybe she was supposed to be on the team, and they decided on Bailey. They settled on her instead. Um, it was rumored, I mean, this is just dirt, she's making up shit, I believe, but it was rumored that because Alicia Fox posted a picture of Paige on Instagram before the show started that, it, you know, that it spoiled the return of Paige of the show, so they changed plans. I find that very hard to believe. That happens all the time, and people already knew she was coming back regardless, so a freaking Instagram picture is not going to make a difference. Um, and she obviously wasn't on SmackDown either, but I do assume if we do talk about the Raw women's match, or the Raw versus SmackDown women's elimination tag team match. I assume that final spot's going to Paige. Uh, Charlotte's off the team. She's in the women's match versus Alexa Bliss. And I thought Natalia would take her spot. As of right now, that's not the case. And they could reveal Natalia to be the final person of the team on Sunday. They could put Nikki Bella in there or Lana. God, I hope it's not Lana. Um, but it could very well be Paige, and I assume it will be Paige, because Raw doesn't really need her. And I think SmackDown would benefit from having her more so than Raw. Um, but yeah, I think the latest with Paige is that she, she's either due back on Sunday at Survivor Series or the following week on TV. So when was the last time we saw Paige in a WWE ring? June of 2016, if I'm not mistaken. I know she, I remember vaguely mm. being in a tag team match on Raw. I think it was her and Sasha versus Charlotte and Dana right. Brooke. 
And then she got hurt right after that, got suspended twice, and all the other nasty-ass stuff that's been going on with her and Del Rio and uh, you know all the other trouble that she's been in. So thankfully that's out of the way. She reportedly broke up with Del Rio, and she's single now, which is good that she's back on the right track. But, um, yeah, so I think the last time we saw her was June of 2016 on WWE TV. Okay, because on Wikipedia, I, I was wondering, I was trying to, you know, kind of set the stage here a little bit because I did see TBA on Team SmackDown with Becky Lynch, Carmella, Naomi, Tamina, and TBA with Lana against uh, Alicia Fox, Nia Jax, Asuka, Sasha Banks, and Bayley. Um, because... Charlotte was was originally on that roster. She's now the women's champion. Natalia could obviously fill in that spot. If not, they could go with Paige. Um, if they go with Paige, I would assume Team SmackDown will get the victory. If they go with Natalia, then I think I think I would go with Team Raw. I mean, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, either way, regardless of whether it's Paige or not, I mean. Let's say Paige is brought back, and mm-hmm. she's on SmackDown in this match. Right. I guess you could still have Team SmackDown get beat, but it's like you have Asuka on Raw. She's not getting pinned. That much is obvious. I mean, I guess you could have her get counted out, but I think the chances are a lot likelier that she's like the sole survivor for her team, and that's how she gets a future title shot. Mm. So I guess you could bring Paige back, and I mean, having her be brought back and then get pinned immediately would be just beyond dumb. But they could always have her like start fighting with Carmella. You could do a mini feud between Carmella and Paige for the near future. Like that'd be fine. And then maybe Carmella comes in and costs her the match. Then she gets counted out or DQ'd or some shit. I'm not exactly sure. But um, either way, regardless of whether it's Paige or not, I think Oscar is going to win for Team Raw because obviously you're not going to beat her. And again, they get they could counter out, but I think it's a lot likelier Raw takes this match. All right. So you have Team Raw. I will go with Team Raw if. Natalia is the fifth and final spot. I'll go with SmackDown if the fifth and final spot is Paige. Um, like you said, Oscar can be DQ'd or counted out or be fighting one of her own teammates and they just be fighting on the outside or fighting someone for SmackDown on the outside, get counted out. So in, in the long run, she won't get pinned or, or submitted. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, what else we got here? All right, we got the, the Shield. And the New Day, um, Ambrose, Reigns, Seth Rollins against the New Day, regular six-man match. Um, Ambrose and, and Seth were tag team champions two weeks ago. Now it's Cesaro and Sheamus, and they go into that match against the Usos for the, a non-title match. So first with the Shield, the New Day. Uh, we one we saw the Shield and others from Raw go on to SmackDown last night, kind of like a payback from what SmackDown did to them a few weeks ago. Um, the Shield came out in that match with the the New Day and um, with KO and Sami Zayn. I love how KO and Sami Zayn was like, Nah, I'm not with it. I'm not helping you guys because we're not part of the match. So we're just gonna be on our merry way. Uh, but the Shield, the New Day. Which way are you leaning towards to, Graham? It's got to be Shield. I mean, I like New Day, but the team just got back together. Not to mention this is the five-year anniversary of when the Shield debuted at Survivor Series in 2012. So you got to have the Shield nice. go over, having them be brought back and then lose their second match would just be beyond dumb. And Roman Reigns is involved. They're not going to have Roman Reigns lose um, a random six-team, a six-man tag team match, which I'm looking forward to. I think from an in-ring standpoint, this could be the sleeper of the night. Maybe not the match tonight, but one of the better bouts tonight. I think this could be really, really good. Um, but I do think the Shield goes over because they just got back together and the New Day can suffer a loss. I think they're okay. The Shield, they should win here and maintain the momentum. Uh, I will go with the Shield. Like you said, they just got back together. Reigns uh, missed that previous pay-per-view with an injury or something like that. So now they're finally back together. Um, hopefully... Like you said, hopefully this will be the the, the steal of the night. Um, Raw Tag Team Champions Cesaro and Sheamus against SmackDown Tag Team Champions The Usos. I want to say The Usos, again, non-title match. I want to say The Usos. I just haven't been a, a big fan of Cesaro and Sheamus lately. What do you think? 
I'm on the contrary. I'm on the opposite side of the uh, spectrum there with uh, Cesaro and Sheamus. I think they've been a great team. I think they've been a great example of what a makeshift tag team should be. I mean, two singles wrestlers thrown together uh-huh. at random. And then over the last year, they've had awesome matches with the club, with the New Day, with the Hardy Boys, and now recently the Shield. Um, all of their matches have been really, really fun to watch. So I'm really digging their act. That said, i got to agree with the Usos. I think as good as Cesaro and Sheamus are, the Usos are friggin' untouchable right now. These guys are the one of the best acts in the company. Mm-hmm. Raw SmackDown at the moment. Now, these guys are just friggin' killing it. So I don't know if they're turning them babyface after what we saw on SmackDown. I don't know if they're doing a double turn with them, Gable, and uh, Shelton Benjamin. But regardless, I do think they scored the victory here, Cesaro and Sheamus. And uh, it came down to Cesaro and Sheamus and the Usos at last year's tag team elimination match, which the Usos made mention of on SmackDown this week, and Cesaro and Sheamus won. So I think to avenge that loss, the Usos win here, and I think they're the better tag team anyway. And SmackDown, based off how my predictions are going, SmackDown needs a win, so I think uh, the Usos walk away the victors. Same here. Uh, Which match do you think is the main event, Brock, AJ, or this Team Raw, Team SmackDown on the men's side? I was talking to Arjun about this earlier. I think it's Brock and AJ. I could see it being the Raw and SmackDown match because, I mean, come on. After what we saw this weekend, Raw, it's got Triple H in there, John Cena, Randy Orton, Shane McMahon, Kurt Angle, all these other mega superstars. So there's like 50 world titles, no joke, between all these guys. It's, it's insane. Um, so that being said, I, I mean, I guess it really could go either way. It depends what kind of match Brock and AJ have. It's a five-minute squash. Not squash, but I mean... Like what we saw with Lesnar and Joe at Great Balls of Fire, which I thought was a fun match for what it was, but it went like literally six minutes. And the Braun Strowman match wasn't that much longer either. Um, those matches, at least the Lesnar, at least the Lesnar Strowman match should not have been the main event. I hope this is a bit better. I think it will be better. I mean, you're in the ring with AJ Styles. I just really hope he doesn't squash the guy because he's one of the best. He is the best the company has to offer right now. And if anyone can get an exciting match out of Brock Lesnar, it's AJ Styles. So. Again, neither match has huge stakes attached to it, so I'm going to say Brock and AJ, but I would not be upset if they closed the show with Raw and SmackDown, uh, the men's match. I think there's a good chance that Brock and AJ will go longer than Brock and Goldberg. I hope so. I really <laughs> hope it does. I was talking to RJ about that earlier that if they have it go like 90 seconds or two minutes, I mean, oh man, it's whatever. AJ won't be damaged goods or anything, and the guy's over as fuck. But, I mean, you got to have the match go at least a couple minutes. I mean, even then it would be a disappointment because I think these guys can go out there and have a really, really fun match. And like I said last week, I think Punk and Lesnar had one of, if not Lesnar's best match since Lesnar's been back in the company. And that was a completely different dynamic than what we're – you know, accustomed to seeing from Brock Lesnar against these like behemoths like Samoa Joe, Goldberg, and Braun Strowman. I think AJ and Brock have a really good chemistry together. We haven't seen yet, but I assume they will. So right. I hope it goes more than 90 seconds, though. Um, I think Brock and AJ will and should close. That's my opinion. But then again, they might go with this Team Raw, Team SmackDown match on the men's side, five on five from Team Raw. Kurt Angle, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, and now Triple H. SmackDown with, with Shane McMahon, Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Shinsuke Nakamura, and John Cena. Before I go into that match, um, I did tweet out on Monday. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Um, but I said, once once Triple H said, you know, I'm the, I'm the fifth member of the Survivor Series team, I, I tweeted saying, wow, man, like... Um, you know, the ruthless aggression era is really taking over Survivor Series 2017 with Triple H and <laughs> Kurt Angle and John Cena, Randy Orton, Brock Lesnar. We've seen Kane main event Raw on Monday. I'm like, ruthless aggression is making a comeback. I would say so. I mean, between the fact that Shane, Kurt Angle, Triple H, John Cena, and Randy Orton, half of the guys in this match wow. from the Attitude Era, and then you combine that with Brock Lesnar being the main event, I would certainly say the uh, ruthless aggression era is back in full form. That's right, because well, yeah, attitude era and ruthless together. Triple H and Shane was more attitude than the rest followed with the with the ruthless. But I'm like, wow, like you know, land of opportunity, Graham. It's like attitude and ruthless still out there. Then <laughs> <laughs> you look at everyone else in the match. Too. I mean, I said this last week, but and you had mentioned this as well that you look at the standard age of everyone involved. Now, Jason Jordan, 
mind you, is no longer involved. Mm. So once you take Jason Jordan out of the equation and you put in Triple H, there is not one person in this match that is under the age of 30. I think the youngest person in this match is Braun Strowman, and he's like 34 or 35 or some shit like that. Really? And he's, that's not even that young either. The oldest oh. is like 40-something with Triple H, I think, so... Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's or maybe Shane. I'm not exactly sure, but it doesn't exactly speak volumes to uh, the uh, new era in WWE. Now you're right. Braun is 34. Finn Balor is 36. Samoa Joe is 38. Uh, what, what's Orton? Hold up. Orton is 37. Um, even 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 Nakamura is 37. Oh my God! Bobby Roode, forty. Cena's uh, forty. Triple H is forty-eight. Wow. Um, <laughs> Kurt Angle is forty. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it it does make you wonder where, you know, just throwing out there people like Jason Jordan, Dolph Ziggler, Bray Wyatt, uh, um, Rusev, who could all be used. Um, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, they're they're nowhere to be found on the card. Not not just this one match. They're nowhere to be found on the card. And I'm like, you know, like, wow and why? Like, you know, five on five, you should should get Rusev in a match. You should get Dolph. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn should have been on the card. But um, why they went this route and what are they trying to build towards to, I think is the main question. Um, because the John Cena spot could have went to a Rusev, could have went to a Dolph Ziggler, could have went KO with Sami Zayn. The, the the Triple H spot could have still been Jason Jordan um, or anybody else on, on, on Raw, but it kind of makes you scratch your head. Like, wow, like why did this match have to include so many of these 35 and up, you know, characters again i think it speaks volumes to their uh, lack of youth movement in the wwe right now now again like i said last week some of their newer stars that have just showed up this year alone bobby Roode, nakamura and uh samoa joe yeah have bright futures on the main roster they're not exactly young up and comers they've just been in the business for a long time before they came to wwe um but the other people that you mentioned there's no excuse i mean bray wyatt I mean, what what else can we say about Bray Wyatt that we haven't said before? The fact that they were chanting "Thank you, Wyatt" after they after he injured Jason Jordan on Raw on Monday says it all about Jason Jordan's push. And the fact that it just hasn't worked out the way they hoped it would with him as a babyface, they got to turn him heel ASAP. And um, again, they, people were much more excited to see Triple H and Team Raw than Jason Jordan. So they, they could stack this thing with star power, and it's great. It's an exciting match, and I'm looking forward to it as many other people are. But, like, what do we do going forward, though? When you really look at the people in this match, more than half of the guys in this match won't be wrestling on Raw and SmackDown the next day or on Tuesday. Shane and Angle aren't wrestling after this. Triple H isn't wrestling after this. Neither probably is John Cena. He's probably going to go right back to Hollywood. He hasn't even appeared on TV in the build of this match. And a lot of these guys aren't going to be, you know, wrestling full-time beyond this pay-per-view. So, uh, I mean, again, it's a great match and all, but... Yeah, they could be doing a lot more of the people they do have at their disposal, like at the at their disposal, like a Bray Wyatt or a Rusev or this guy or that guy or Jason Jordan, who they have the stars, they have the talent, they have a lot of good wrestlers, but the booking is just atrocious, absolutely atrocious. Bray Wyatt, the guy was, oh my god, the guy was gone for a month, and you know they make a big deal about Roman Reigns coming back. Oh, he's going to be back on Raw this week, and they gave him a big pop when he came out. Bray Wyatt's been every bit of, he's been gone just as long as Roman Reigns has been. And then Kurt Angle is like, oh, you're facing Bray Wyatt's not on Rogers and Jordan. Like, no fanfare whatsoever. He just comes out like he's been there the entire time. Then he got beat like a loser in the matter of five or six minutes in a match no one cared about. And that just kind of is the, the career of Bray Wyatt in a nutshell in WWE. So they could be booking these guys better, but that's been an age-old issue with them for years now. I'm going to get back to Triple H and Jason Jordan in, in, in a quick second. But Team Raw, Team SmackDown, we finally know who was the 5-on-5. The five five. SmackDown won last year, so I, I'm just assuming that Team Raw has the, you know, the edge or the upper hand. Since SmackDown won last year, now this year it's going to go to Raw, right? That's what 
that's what I thought originally, but just looking at this card and who I have going over, I'm going to say SmackDown wins just because I don't have them winning many matches beyond um, the women's match, the first women's match, the one-on-one match, and the tag team match, the Usos and the bar match. So I'm going to say SmackDown wins here, especially since I think Brock is going over in the main event, but we'll get to them momentarily. Um, again, it doesn't matter either way. I know Stephanie said, oh, you'll be fired if you lose, Kurt Angle, but... She said the same thing last year, and nothing happened. So I'm not exactly sure where they're going with that. And um, I think I think SmackDown will win, but maybe Jason Jordan costs Team Raw the victory. And if Raw wins, maybe Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn cost SmackDown the victory. So mm-hmm. they have a lot of different ways they could go with this. Um, I'm just going to say SmackDown. I think SmackDown needs wins more than Raw does. So I'll say SmackDown wins this one. <sighs> how much? Uh, how much want to bet that? If the sole survivor from if Raw wins, the sole survivor would be either between. Oh man, I, I, okay, Braun. I would I would say Braun. Does Finn Balor get eliminated? I think I think Ang, I think Angle would get eliminated, but maybe because you know with him and Shane, or if if Triple H is a sole survivor, Graham. Um, then <laughs> there's I, a good I, I, chance that it might happen. Like, come on, man! Like, I, I think, I think, yeah, there's a very good chance this could come down to Triple H and Shane McMahon. No joke. Oh man! I mean, but, but then my thing is, from from a storyline per, uh, standpoint, you have that with Shane and, and Hunter, but you also have Hunter with Jason Jordan, which leads into a Hunter Kurt Angle. So there's a lot of different ways they can do this. But if Team SmackDown wins, Soul Survivor, I think would likely be Nakamura. Um I think Orton That's what I was thinking or, or, or yeah. Cena, but so, Cena it, well it could be Nakamura and Cena. I think Orton can get eliminated, Shane can get eliminated. Same for Bobby Roode. Um Nakamura Cena for SmackDown if they win being sole survivors from Team Raw, I think it's I, I I think it's Braun and um by himself. Yeah, it's either Braun by himself or Triple H by himself, and I really hope it's not the latter because oh, Triple H man. does not need to win exactly. a match like this. So, uh, yeah, I think if Raw wins, it's got to be Braun by himself. He's the one getting the big push right now anyway. He needs a win. The guy lost at TLC. He lost at No Mercy. He lost at SummerSlam. He has not won a pay-per-view match since July, so I think he needs this win more than anyone. Exactly. Plus, he was thrown in a freaking garbage truck. You know, this guy needs a victory. Yeah, he needs a big moment. I would agree. So, yeah, I'm still going to say SmackDown, but I do think uh, Raw wins. Uh, Raw needs to win more. Okay, so now Triple H with the whole Jason Jordan thing, uh, Kurt Angle. What does that mean with, with Triple H re- uh, returning to Raw on Monday? Um, does this lead into Hunter and Jason or eventually Hunter and Kurt Angle down the road or like could they could tag team up on, on, on Sunday, not get along, and then you create this dynamic where it, it down the road they're gonna meet one on one. So there are different angles that they, that they can't work this. But or was that was Monday a one off between Hunter and Jason and Kurt Angle, the quote unquote father of Jason Jordan, does not get any retaliation against Hunter? No. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say where Jason Jordan fits in all of this. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and I hate to say it, I think a Triple H-Kurt Angle match is much more appealing than a Triple H or a uh, Kurt Angle versus Jason Jordan. Although that makes more sense, especially if they turn Jason Jordan heel, the guy's a loser. They have failed to make me care about this guy, um, especially as a babyface. But even if they turn him heel, that to me feels like a waste of Kurt Angle at WrestleMania. So at least if they had Triple H... It's a big more, it's much more of a marquee match. I'd have Kurt Angle go over, but if they had Triple H go over, it wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. I do think that's the direction we're going in. And I mean, that was that was rumored months ago that they were going to do Triple H and Kurt at WrestleMania because we all knew it was only a matter of time before Stephanie resurfaced on Raw. And look at that. Sure enough, she did. And sure enough, Triple H resurfaced on Raw as well. So I do think that's the direction they're going in is with Triple H and Kurt Angle. I have no idea where, Kurt, where uh, Jason Jordan fits in all of this. Maybe it's revealed that it was a ploy all along from the authority, but then why would he have attacked Jason Jordan on Monday? I have no idea. But um, I do think the end game in all of this is an angle H match of Mania next year. Uh, 
It's amazing how if you if you ever noticed that when when people come back to the company or come out of retirement for one more match, um, it's always Triple H that they had the match with. Um, you know when 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 Brock came back, I think in twenty oh no twenty thirteen, um, no twenty twelve he had John Cena, but his his bigger match was Triple H at, at that WrestleMania twenty nine. Um, might be Kurt Angle down the road when Sting came finally came to the company it was Sting and Triple H and like Triple H is always that guy these guys have to wrestle is there a reason for that like or is it because Triple H is the main guy that kind kinds of um is uh, Triple H is the reason why Kurt Angle is back reason why Sting came to the company reason why Brock came back so it's like oh right, you come back you, you got to fight me of all people, of, of 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 all guys first well, it is true that he was responsible for a lot of those returns and many others. Right. But the fact that he's been putting match, he's been putting matches with these guys, I feel like he has a lot to do with that decision. Now, I love Triple H. He's done a lot for NXT and the future of the business. But in my opinion, I've been saying this for at least two or three years now, I'm never clamoring for a Triple H match at WrestleMania. Now, him and Rollins made sense at WrestleMania this year, as did Roman Reigns last year. But there's no more, like, beyond maybe Kurt Angle, there's no Triple H match that they need to do or that makes sense. It's like they could take a year off from having a Triple H match at WrestleMania. The guy's rarely on the program anymore anyway. And he just comes out of retirement for WrestleMania. Now, I know they do that with The Undertaker every now and again, but he was well past his prime when he was wrestling WrestleMania anyway, and they broke the streak, so it wasn't even worth it. Uh, with Triple H... Him and Angle, I guess, if they want to do that. But to me, I would much rather see. And maybe they're thinking from a casual fan standpoint, just people would rather see, like, a Joe Schmo who wasn't watched WWE in 10 years. Maybe they're thinking, oh, okay, I'll watch WrestleMania if it's Triple H and Kurt Angle, two people I know, as opposed to Kurt Angle and, like, a Seth Rollins or a Kurt Angle and a Kevin Owens or something. So maybe that's why they're doing that. But I just don't think it really does anyone any favors. Um, but I, I, I would assume there's a big reason as to why the guys like Sting, like Sting should not have faced Triple H. On the same WrestleMania, the Undertaker was still active. Like, that made no sense. Because Sting and Undertaker was the big money match to do. Not Triple H and Sting, which sucked anyway. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, just, I don't know. I'm not just looking forward to another Triple H match next year. I mean, maybe Kurt Angle can get something good out of him. And I'm not saying Triple H is bad by any means. And I thought the Seth Rollins match was good, but... I just don't see what purpose he has at WrestleMania, especially when they have so many other big stars they could be using in those top spots in Mania. See, the thing is, I, I didn't mind Sting and Hunter going at it. I, I minded Hunter going over on Sting. Cause I, you know, what's the, that was dumb. That was absolutely ridiculous, yeah. It's like, what was the point of, uh, of this big hype You know, from Survivor Series <laughs> before that with the video game and Sting is coming and this and that, and you do a build, and his first match... It's against Triple H, WrestleMania, and Sting loses. Like so dumb. And it would have been again. It would have been one thing. I know Sting had said, "Oh, it's my last match." Now it was before he found out he was wrestling. Like six months later, but yeah. he wanted to lose in his last match. Do the honors on the way out. It's like, okay, dude, if you really want to do the honors, don't do the honors to Triple H. That guy's years away from retirement as well. So it did Triple H no favors. Made Sting look like a loser. Like you said, it was a waste of the build. Two and a half years removed from that match, and it still makes absolutely no sense as to why they had Triple H beat that guy. That was so dumb. So from from your tone, you're you know you're not a Triple H at WrestleMania kind of guy. But if you can go back, Triple H has been performing at WrestleMania for so long. Is there a match or two that you can say, you know what? I like that Triple H match at WrestleMania. One or two, maybe three that you really uh, enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, I'm just saying in recent years, it really hasn't done anyone any favors. I thought the Seth match True. was good. It could have been better. It wasn't great, but I thought it was good. The Roman Reigns match was fucking awful. The Sting match, I thought, was not all that good. I was entertained, but it wasn't that good. Mm. And the, uh, was it even at 30? Oh, that's, yeah, like, again, like, it's WrestleMania 30. Him and Daniel Bryan, great match. Right, the Brock right. Lesnar the year before, eh, not no, that good. Not so but him much. and Undertaker at 28 awesome match. Right. And that's just in recent years. You go back to back in the day. I mean, we could do a whole show about WrestleMania matches, but the three-way at WrestleMania 20, him, Benoit, and Shawn Michaels, fucking phenomenal. One of the best matches in the last 20 years. Just an excellent match. I actually really liked him and Batista at WrestleMania 21. I thought that did a lot for Batista. Mm -hmm. Build was great. 
and I thought the match was fine. Uh, him and Undertaker, WrestleMania 17. Uh, there, there's a lot of other matches. Triple H is by no means bad at WrestleMania, um, but he, he's had some he's had some stinkers over the years as well. Um, I'm not even looking up. I kind of remember who he who he's fought. Um, I have no idea how he steered into this, but um, WrestleMania his first one was was 12 against the Warrior. We I don't even count that. Um, thir- oh, yeah, WrestleMania 13. I I don't remember who he fought. I might have to look that one up. 14. Was- Goldust, right? Gold was it? Goldust? Oh yeah. Either right. Goldust or Owen Hart. It was one of the two. Okay, Goldust was 13. Owen Hart was 14 for the for the European okay. title. 15 yep. was. It was in that whole DX with X Pac, Kane, something, some, something like that. I don't remember. Sixteen was the the Fatal Four Way with with the Rock, Mankind, and Big Show. That's when he was champion. Seventeen yep. was for Blade. Was or no, oh. not himself. Uh, eight, uh, seventeen was Undertaker. Undertaker. Sorry. Eighteen was Jericho. Yep. Uh, nineteen was Booker T. Which people still complain that. <laughs> <laughs> and rightfully so that you know Booker T should have yeah. won that match. Like, that come was on. dumb. Come yeah, on, that was really stupid. Come on, Hunter. Uh, triple Threat at twenty, classic. Twenty one, Batista, pretty good. Twenty two. I, I tell you this about twenty two with, with John Cena. I think that's that's one of John Cena's most underrated matches. I think it gets it, o- it gets overlooked. Yeah. I think they both did a great job. Um, Hunter Hunter did not have to win that match, which he, which he did not. But I think, like I said, underrated, overlooked, and if people want to, you know, categorize Cena's top five, ten matches, I think the one with Hunter from twenty two was there. Twenty three, he was not there because he was hurt. Twenty four, triple threat with Orton and Cena, which Orton won, which I think was pretty pretty okay. Twenty. Yeah, it, was, it was a good match. It was all right. Yeah. Now twenty five. I felt bad for him and Orton because we had Sean and Taker before that, and that just kind of took the whole buzz out the building because it was, it, you know, it's arguably the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. And then when Hunter and Orton are last, it's like nobody really cared. So I I felt bad. I felt bad for, <laughs> felt bad for yeah. that. Yeah. Twenty six. The build was good too. The build was great. Just yeah. The match I thought was just. Abysmal, that's all. The bill was good. Orton won the Royal Rumble that year, and then the Orton was, you know, kicking the Stephanie or yeah. something like that. So, uh, 20, he was a badass. 26 was Sheamus, that was, and that was very early on in the card. I, I don't recall that match, but I think it was decent. Yeah, it was okay. It was, it was solid. Yeah, it wasn't great, but it was solid. Um, and 27, which with, 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 um, with Taker, um, which I think was that and CM Punk and Orton was the best matches on the card that night. Um, Agreed, by far, yeah. And then you mentioned 28, 29, 30, and so on. So so I think overall he's had a pretty good WrestleMania career and a record. Um, but like you said, at, at this point, this age, Hall of Famer, legend, but do we need another Triple H match? I, I guess it all depends on who it is and if that other guy can go. Like If you tell me Triple H and The Rock – you know, I'll I'll, I'll see it because it's, it's the Rock and Hunter, you know. But yeah. um, Kurt Angle, can he really go? Triple H and Shane, like I don't. I think the options are just so so limited for 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 Hunter right now. I think that I think that's what it comes down to. Definitely. I mean, like you said, if those are the only options you could put Triple H up against, then that's it's it speaks again speaks volumes about the current roster. And I know they put him up against young guys in the last two years, and they won. Rollins and Reigns both beat him, but I thought a month ago, you know, if you told me a month ago what what I would book for Triple H WrestleMania, I thought they might do Triple H and Kevin Owens after Kevin Owens beat the shit out of Shane McMahon on SmackDown. It looked like they oh, were yeah. heading in that direction, but that was quickly dropped and it has not been mentioned since. So it doesn't look like we're getting that match either. Samoa Joe and Triple H would be cool based off their history and the semi-alliance they had about a year ago, but I doubt we're getting that either, so... I don't know. I mean, Triple H and Shane, a lot of these matches sound like they would have really, really good builds, but the actual match sounds like it's going to be shit. Like, Shane can go in there with a guy like AJ Styles and have a good match. Triple H, eh, I'm not exactly sure. Him and Angle, eh, and I don't know. Him and Rock, I mean, again, they had great matches 15 years ago. I think it'd be mm-hmm. a cool marquee match. Um, I'm not saying I wouldn't look forward to it, but an, an actual match between the two, eh, I'm not sure. 
So, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see in terms of what they have in store for Mania at 34. Yeah, I, I still think and believe that the one match, the, the one-on-one match that he never had at Mania, and it should have been them two, was him and Shawn Michaels. Why that match was never made, injuries or whatever the case may be, he fought Shawn Michaels plenty of times at SummerSlam and Rumbles and, and, and stuff like that. But, like, come on, man. Triple H and Shawn Michaels, not ever one time at a WrestleMania. I think that's the one match where I'm like, you know what? They, they, they really dropped the ball on that one. I would say so, too. I mean, they could have gone in that direction for Shawn's final match. But Shawn and Tate yeah. were so perfect that I wouldn't change a thing about it. But... They were tag team champions for the first and only time around that point, and they had broken up, and Sean was like acting like an asshole towards Triple H, and I thought that was the match they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Then they went with a rematch instead from 25 with Taker and uh, Shawn Michaels. So, yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, thankfully we got it kind of a WrestleMania 20 in the three-way with Benoit. But, yeah, those guys had a million matches. They had Iron Man matches, Hell in a Cell, Steel Cage, Last Man Standing, literally every single stipulation in the book. But they did not have a single match at a WrestleMania, so that, that blew my mind, too. But, yeah, I wish we would have gotten that at some point as well. I think the only match he could have at a Mania and all of us could be happy is Kevin Owens. Like, like you mentioned earlier, like, you know, he fought everybody already. He fought the Shield at, at one one point in time or another. Uh, Kevin Owens might, might be the only challenger, but how, how they get there, I don't know. Is Triple H even in the cards for WrestleMania? Probably not. It's not like they need him, but if they want to do that one nostalgia kind of match because we still don't know about Taker going forward, um, the only match I, I wouldn't mind seeing, if it's him and Kurt Angle, okay, great, fine, whatever. Him and Shane, okay, how are how you going to pull that off? Him and Kevin Owens might be the money match if, if, if they can find a way to get there. Yeah, again, at this point, I mean, not all hope is lost. Because, like I said, the real momentum was like a month and a half ago when they had uh, Kevin Owens attack Shane. He looked like a badass, but they really have not followed up on that all too well. Not just Shane, but Vince. And they really have not done too much of that in the last couple of months. So they still could get there if they want to. But the fact that Kevin Owens is on SmackDown, Triple H is a Raw guy, it doesn't look too good. But if anything else, it gets Kevin Owens in a big match at WrestleMania. Because the guy deserves it. I mean, him and Jericho was a really, really good feud and had a great WrestleMania match, but it was mm-hmm. number two on the card. So I think if anyone right. deserves to be up or close, you know, towards the top of the card, I think it would be Kevin Owens. I mean, they've had matches in the past with young guys versus old guys at WrestleMania. Uh, we had, you know, like like I just said, Triple H and Seth and Roman and Taker this past year. But we also had Brock and Goldberg for one of the world titles. It's like, really? Like, I really wish we can get a WrestleMania without two old-timers, part-timers, whatever, facing each other. They should have, at the very least, the uh, part-timer versus the current guy on the roster, regardless of who wins. And I think that would be a good mix, too. I know Batista had said he would come out of retirement for a Triple H match, and I said I like their 21 match, but mm. would, would they have a good match in 2018? Eh, I don't think so, but <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. So, yeah, Triple H is not necessary for him to be at WrestleMania. Will he get himself on the card regardless? I have no doubt about that. I want to quickly, I want to get your reaction on, you know, their, you know, more recent direction for the past two Survivor Series. Because, you know, Survivor Series has always been one of the big, the big four with Mania, SummerSlam, and, and, and the Royal Rumble, even with the big five when the King of the Ring was around. But people always, if you try to, you know, put it in order, Survivor Series of the big four was always number four compared to Rumble and SummerSlam and Mania. Mania will always be number one. They're making SummerSlam number two because of how long the show is. You know, Mania and SummerSlam have been four, four and a half, even five hours. Um, I'm not sure if last year Rumble was at that point or even near it. But, on you know, at the bottom of the totem pole has always been Survivor Series. But uh, even at one point, they were going to cancel the, the 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 Survivor Series a couple of years ago, but I think this year and last year, they, I think they made they really made a, a a conscientious effort to make it feel like it means something, you know, bringing back the you know, traditional four and four or five on five matchups. Um, have you do, do you see that? Do you feel the same way that they're really trying to 
make the fans feel like, hey, Survivor Series, aside from SummerSlam, WrestleMania, and the Rumble, Survivor Series does mean a whole lot. Yeah, I'm glad they're making the effort. I mean, it really did seem like for a long time they could not have cared less about Survivor Series. I mean, last year's show, I didn't love it, but I thought the build was was well done, and they at least tried to make a conscious effort to make the pay-per-view mean something again. And it feels like they're trying to do that with this year's pay-per-view as well. And, I mean, not even, I mean, like, you go back to 09-2010, the elimination tag team match that they would do, meant nothing. Like, they would add one, like, literally days before the pay-per-view just to have one. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, they would not have had one on the card. But not even that. That was 09-2010. Go back to 2015. That pay-per-view was all about the crown a new WWE champion, which it, it turned out awful anyway with Roman Reigns and Sheamus, and that, that pay-per-view is, is better off forgotten. But on that show, the point I'm trying to make, they did not even have an elimination tag team match booked until literally the show started. And they had the match just happen. I don't even remember who it was in. It was like New Day and Wade Barrett or some dumbass shit like that. It was in the Usos. It was completely forgettable. And it's like, wow, how did Survivor Series get to the point where we don't even have an advertised elimination tag team match? Like, that's, that's pretty bad. And uh, at least in the last two years, they've tried to turn it around. And I would make the argument, like you said, not only is it the bottom of the total pole in terms of the big four pay-per-views, for a long time, and you can still make the argument, maybe not so much anymore, but that um, it was even below Money in the Bank. Like, Money in the Bank, I would argue, was like a new Big Four pay-per-view, not not Survivor Series, but at least they're trying to make Survivor Series mean something again. Again, I didn't love last year's show. It's been a long time since we had a Survivor Series show on the whole that I thought was great. Um, last year wasn't that good. 2015 was abysmal. 2013 was even worse. So they've had a lot of bad Survivor Series shows, which... The track record is not good at all, which is why they desperately need a good Survivor Series show this year. And with a card that we have on tap, I think it's possible, but it's all about how they book the show. But I'm glad, regardless of how Sunday goes, whether it goes really, really well or it's just a failure, at least they're trying to make the show mean something again, considering it's been around for 30 years. And you're right, they did come close to canceling it at one point. Yeah. The buy rate was in the shitter. <clears throat> that's their own fault because the build sucked for that one year where the buy rate sucked. So um, that's, that's their own fault, but at least they're trying to get back to the point where Survivor Series is once again an exciting annual event. So from this card with, with the eight matches, knowing that it's Raw versus SmackDown, which one do you, do you feel has... Okay, what's the best storyline from this card on Sunday? If any. Because, I mean, a lot of these matches came out of nowhere. Like, Alexa yeah. Bliss and Charlotte means nothing. Because, I mean, the match is going to be good. But for the past three weeks, it's been all about Natalia and, and Alexa Bliss. And now it's Charlotte. So, it's like none of these matches have had a good build at all. Um, the best storyline? Again, I would say Brock and AJ, but the, belt, the, the build just started like a week ago. Yeah. So you can't really say like that match. I'll just say Raw, the Raw and SmackDown men's match. I mean, I know they flip-flopped people in that match, too. But it's been consistently from the start all about Shane and Angle. So I'll, I'll go with that match as the best built. And I'm excited for the show, but it's very obvious. They saw the early incarnation of this card, and they were like, wow, this sucks. We need to change it ASAP so people are more intrigued by the pay-per-view. So, um, but I think the Raw versus SmackDown men's matches easily had the best build of them all. Yeah, and you know, going back to basically, you know, the the legacy of the of Survivor Series, you know, it, it's I to me, it's one of my favorite pay per views of, of the year. You know, it, again, it's not what it what it once was. With the every match was tr- you know traditional four on four, five on five matches with like a one or two championship matches. Um, it, it definitely has changed as time went by. Do I want it to be on the same level as the Royal Rumble and Survive uh, and SummerSlam and WrestleMania? Sure, but it, it, you know, if the company does not want it to be like second tier or third tier, then they'll make it fourth tier. They as much time and effort and rightfully so that they put into WrestleMania, then SummerSlam, and then Royal like there's listen Survivor Series on Sunday. It ain't gonna be five hours long, to me, as far as far as I know. So that that right there already shows you, it doesn't it to them. 
is not as important as a SummerSlam or Mania, but I think that they're, they're making strides in order for us, you know, older fans and casual fans to really say, you know what, Survivor Series, it, it, it used to be great. It's pretty good now. They got a lot of young talent on on this roster, on this card. And, you know, they're good for making moments. You know, we, we saw the Sting moment a couple of years ago. We saw Brock and Goldberg last year. Uh, remains to be seen what kind of what kind of moment they have this year. But I think for the past couple of years, they have made that attempt, at least an, a, an, a, you know, an attempt to make it feel like it means something. But will it ever be on SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, or WrestleMania level? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say this, though. I will say that in terms of how it feels, yeah, it doesn't exactly feel as important as Rumble, WrestleMania, or uh, SummerSlam. But I do want to correct you on one thing. I think it is four hours long. I mean, it was wow. last year, and I'm pretty sure it is this year, too. And now WWE hasn't said a ton about it, because mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure. If you want to look it up real quick, just to confirm, Right. But I'm almost positive it is four hours long with a two-hour kickoff because that's what it was last year. Okay, they have so they have a, they have a one-hour kickoff with one show. I mean, one match. Okay, but it, it's just one hour though. Uh, I know there's one match, but they also added more kickoff matches like at the last minute last year. So I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if they did the same thing this year too. Yeah, but these these two hour kickoff shows be really <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah, they're pointless. They're they're really pointless. I wish they wouldn't do them, but they do anyway. Like WrestleMania makes sense. Everything else, who cares? Unnecessary to have a two hour pre show when you have one match. Uh, Completely. Yeah, seven o'clock Eastern. Uh, let me see what else I got here. Let me see real quick. I mean, it, it could be for. I mean, listen, man. If you're going to be four hours, whether it's Survivor Series, SummerSlam, whatever it is, just be entertaining because I know I saw SummerSlam at the Barclays two years ago and it wasn't very good. <laughs> and it was so long. Like, oh my God, Were really? Were you SummerSlam last year or this year? Uh, I think it, well, I, I, I went to both, but I think it was 20... I mean, they were both four hours. The one, the that one, was in 2015 the, when they first started doing it. The, Good God, it was an. I mean, it was a decent show, but it's way too long. Even being there, if you're there and it feels too long, then you can only imagine how people feel at home. Like I thought SummerSlam this year, in my opinion, was fucking terrible, and it was way too long. I do not need 20 minutes of big cast versus big show, oh, a shark cage match. That was terrible. I'll pass on that. That was terrible. I'll pass on all the fucking filler that we have at these four-hour shit shows. I think the one I'm referring to was the one that Brock and Orton made evented. Oh, yeah. Okay, so last year. Yeah, I was at that one, too. That was way too long, though. Yeah, and then I was at the other one with Brock and Taker made evented. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a long one, too, being there. Good God. So, 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 so Brock has a knack of main eventing up. SummerSlams, but um, the final yeah. one, the final question to what you know, I think it is going to be four hours. It, they do start at seven Eastern, but you know, with a two-hour kickoff, yeah, you're looking at five, five to a gram, five to a five to ten thirty Survivor Series. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I mean, long night. If, long if, night. if I mean, you're gonna, this is a stacked card, but it's yeah. like, oof, coming off a two-hour takeover the night before. It's it's a long ass weekend. Wow. If you're gonna if you're gonna entertain me. And surprise me and surprise the fans. Okay, fine. I got no problem. To me, you know, I would tell everybody this. I'm more of a storyline guy where, like, like, like when I ask you, what's the main storyline for Survivor Series this year? Oh, it's Raw, Raw versus SmackDown. So, Miz and Corbin, I couldn't care less. Everybody else, I couldn't care less. I'm more storyline driven. Give me a reason why to, to be emotionally invested in this match. Why should I care? So when it's a Survivor Series, I know it, it you know, it's, it's Raw versus SmackDown, my brand versus your brand. It, it's basically bragging rights. If, if you want to be technical about it, it's bragging rights. But out, aside from that, how can I care about what's going on f- further when there's no storyline? So, and, that, and, and that's just not Survivor Series. That's damn near every pay-per-view they, they, they put on. Um, they put on. 
Yeah, they need to make us care more. Like you said, it's it's got to be more storyline driven. I loved AJ and Balor. Don't get me wrong at TLC, but it had no build because they just gave it us out of nowhere. I mean, I know Roman was sick and Bray Wyatt got sick, but it's like you got to do shit that makes sense, and they don't do a lot of shit that makes sense. That's that's the issue with this company. Um, so hopefully, again, Raw smacked on the feud. I don't really care um, because you know the feud's going to be over by the time the pay per view's over, and they'll just go back to being buddy buddy, and there's no real bad blood there. Um, but if they could put together an entertaining show from an in-ring standpoint, give us maybe a few match-of-the-year candidates, and all will, all will be forgiven. So here's hoping, at the very least, that's what we get on Sunday. And quickly, and, and, and I'll tell you the difference. And, you know, today marks the 19th anniversary of Survivor Series 98. And to kind of compare the storylines from what we see now Survivor Series to back then, that build, if if, if you uh, go back on the network, really started from when was it? It really started from like SummerSlam. So real quick, it was Austin Taker, and then the following month it was Taker Kane Stone Cold for the belt. They uh, Taker Kane pinned Stone Cold. Then there was no champion. There was a one-on-one match the following pay-per-view. And then it was like, oh, Austin, if you interfere or whatever, you're fired. And Stone Cold was, quote-unquote, fired, or maybe he was really hurt. And then there was no champion that we had the tournament at Survivor Series. Um, with, and then it came down to The Rock and Mankind, and then they, they rehashed, the you know, or they redid the Montreal Screwjob a year later. Rock did the uh, sharpshooter on Mankind. Vince rang the bell. Rock won the title for the first time in his career and that was a crazy storyline and it continued up to WrestleMania when Stone Cold got the belt back. So you you had a six month build with Stone Cold being champion, uh no champion to the rock being champion, him turning heel, Stone Cold wins it back. You don't get that now, but to me, for those who haven't seen Survivor Series ninety eight, uh you need to do, you definitely need to do so because that's one of the better Survivor Series in in recent history. Rock again champion for the first time. Um, Rock and Mankind went back and forth with the belt from November of that year up till February. So they had a four four month rivalry of changing the belts back and forth. Um, to me, very very epic, very classic. Uh, a great way to build a storyline six months in advance. Something you don't see now, but I just want to point out the legacy of that of that pay per view nineteen years ago today. Yeah, it definitely is a monumental pay per view, especially coming off the Montreal screw job that we talked about last week, last Thursday. But um I mean it is an interesting show. I thought ninety seven as a show was terrible. If you go back and watch it. Um, even including the main event was not good, you know, even including the Montreal Screwjob part of it. Uh-huh. But I thought 98 was a much better show overall. And it was only focused on one thing. That was the cool thing about that show. It wasn't even Survivor Series. That was, uh, what was it called? Deadly Games Tournament? Was that yeah. what it was called? Deadly Game, yeah. Deadly Game. So it was, it was an amazing way to focus around one storyline. It made that championship feel like the most important fucking thing in that company. Exactly. That everyone wanted to be champion. Now, was every match an instant classic on that show? No. But there were a lot of memorable moments. It furthered feuds. And you go to the main event with Rock and Mankind, like you said, kicking off that epic feud between those two in the months that followed, turning the Rock heel for the first I mean, not for the first time, but really cementing him as a main event guy, giving him his world championship, his first world title, mm-hmm. and uh, really giving birth to the Rock that we know and love today, 19 years later. So everything about that show is great. I mean, we, we, we joked about it last week that... You know, it was the first time they did a rip-off of the Montreal Screwjob from a year before, which is whatever. At least at that point it worked, because it was the year before they did it at that exact same event. So it was whatever. When they, when they do the Montreal Screwjob finish 20 years later, that's pretty stupid. But when they did it a year later, it was fine. Um, but the pay-per-view itself I thought was really, really good. You had a lot of good matches in that pay-per-view as well. And also, fun fact for you, the only other pay-per-view, the only other installment of Survivor Series, aside from 2002, that did not feature any Survivor Series elimination tag team matches. The only insult aside from O2 to not feature one, which was interesting. So, like I said, the entire show built around that one angle, and it was a beautiful payoff in the main event. Wow, I did not know that. And plus, it gave birth to, I think, was 
the greatest version of the rock, which was the corporate rock. Um, Agreed. I, I did Agreed. put that. I did. I did put that earlier. Some people gave me feedback and said, "No, you're crazy. You're bugging out." I, it, it was. Um, they said the, the the people's chant from 2000 was the better rock. I'm saying, listen, everybody has their own opinion, which is which is which is great. But the corporate rock and the 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 the, the style of clothes he would wear, the different theme music, him going back heel, and then him with well going back and forth with Stone Cold. Corporate rock, to me, is the greatest version of the rock in wrestling history. You can debate me all you want. You can at me all you want. But look it up. You'll see what I'm talking about. So um, 19 years ago today, Survivor Series 98. But we have the 2017 Survivor Series on Sunday, a.k.a. the Rufus Aggression Survivor Series. Um, Graham, (laughs) hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully we get some surprises last year Goldberg beating Brock in a minute and a half shocked everybody it was on social media on Twitter everywhere it was buzzing so hopefully we get something like that to 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 that extent um again Graham Matthews on Twitter at WrestleRant host of the WrestleRant radio show and does great work for Bleacher Report Graham thank you as always and hopefully you enjoyed the pay-per-view on Sunday man that's the hope, man. I really uh, look and looking forward to the pay per view on Sunday. Here's hoping it is the best installment we've seen in years. That said, dude, as always, appreciate you having me on. Always a blast, and I'll catch you on the road, brother. Definitely, man. And you know what? Real quick, they got the war games the the night before, so you know, hopefully, we get to enjoy that that bit of that bit of nostalgia going on on Saturday. Oh, totally. I mean, at least if Survivor Series disappoints, which there's a decent chance in the chance in life, <laughs> you never know with the main roster. You always know TakeOver is going to be great, and the icing on the cake is that they have War Games in the main event. So I'm looking forward to TakeOver. Now, we didn't really talk about that, but War Games on Saturday should be lit, to say the least. Graham, real quick, that Team Raw, Team SmackDown, Shane, and all them guys, that could have been War Games, right? They could have brought the War Games on it Sunday. It could have been, and it should have been, but Vince has it stuck in his mind that it's a WCW creation, so we're not going to do it. So Triple no. H is like, all right, fuck you, then we'll do it in the next <laughs> You can blame Vince for that one. You know what, then? You know, you know what? Negate that, because then why would you call a pay-per-view from, from the past the Great American Bash, you know, taking it from, from them, and now, but you want to use Starcade. So it's like, it's, it's, it's give or take, give or take. Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, I don't know. They're, they're really, I mean, they had a great American Bash years ago, so I don't know. It was only really that one match because they didn't want to use War Games for whatever reason. I couldn't tell you the exact reason, but they took War Games, and that's what the Elimination Chamber was born out of, was, was War Games. That's, right. what what the, that's what their version of it is. But they don't want to admit that, so it's like, oh, it's our own match. Not. It's not anything WCW created. It's like, all right, buddy, who cares? Just admit they had a good idea for once, and it sucks that it had to come after Dusty Rhodes died, but I'm still looking forward to it nonetheless. Hey, you know what? What what's the SmackDown pay per view next month? <laughs> yeah, Clash of Champions. <laughs> WWE or WCW making a comeback with Goldberg as the world champion. The Cruiserweights on Raw. Oh my God, <laughs> Grant! Thank you, man. I appreciate <laughs> it. Take it easy. As always, dude. You too. I'll catch you on the road. All right, man. Thank you. Adios. All right.